I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Anybody that gets incarcerated is a human being and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. It does not matter who they are, their color, their preference and things other like they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Welcome to Beyond the Talk. We are the cornerstone for solutions to issues facing marginalized communities. Now y'all know we're a solution-based podcast and we feel very strongly that there is one major solution to many of our problems and that is voting. Voting, um, especially voting in your local elections. Uh, Your local elections affect you more than you know um, and they are the fastest way to affect change in your community. And so today we have a special episode that we really want to share with our tribe, our village, you know, (laughs) um, here in Mecklenburg County, to be specific, where we live. Um, Since the primary elections are right around the corner, um, Kristen and I, we sat down for an exclusive, y'all. We -hmm. got an exclusive, Lil Low Us. Welcome to the Beyond the Twerk podcast. We got exclusives (laughs) um, with someone who is running for office in Mecklenburg County. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? I cannot complain at all. So that is the voice of Gina Hicks, and she's running for sheriff of Mecklenburg County. With over 20 years of experience in law enforcement, Hicks is confident that she is just what Mecklenburg County needs to fix some troubling trends that have been taking place over the last couple of years. And if she's elected, Hicks will be the first African-American woman to hold the office of sheriff in Mecklenburg County. And when when did you officially start campaigning? I, well, I announced in January, it is a process that you have to go through. You have to announce, you have to organize, then you have to um, wait to file in. So we officially file, you know, because of COVID and because of the um, gerrymandering laws, we could not file. So I didn't officially file till February 24th. And then after that, it picked up. We're out somewhere with the FOP, with the BPC, with all of your um, political activist groups and doing something somewhere all the time. So it's busy. It's busy. Wow. wow. It's been over, over a year in the making. Over a year in the making. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to run for sheriff of Mecklenburg County. Well, I am a mother. I am a grandmother. My biggest joy in the world is being a grandmother to a young black man. Okay. I am a widow. Um, I've been in law enforcement 29 years, came to Mecklenburg County 22 years ago from the federal government. I used to work for the feds. Okay. And I went to the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office and I remained at the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office for 18 years in just about every rank and position there. I'm seeing just about every social issue you could think of coming there because, you know, social issues lend to incarceration. So you see all of them, you see all of them in jail. Um, When the current administration came in, uh, North Carolina is an at-will state, so the sheriff has the authority to hire or fire for any reason, no reason, just not one of the five classes of illegal reasons. So he let 13 of us go. Okay, including myself before before he was even sworn in Um, at the rank that I was at. I was a facility commander before I was um, let go. And um, 
it was, it's okay. You know, it's actually, I'm really, really glad that I was let go. I didn't think it then. Okay. Because nobody wants to be without a job, especially when you've been in it so long and it's your passion and so on and so forth. And and, and you're making a, a decent livable wage, but God, I believe God does things for his own reason. So two days later, I was hired on in, in Gaston County and I was okay with being let go. But then in watching all of the things that were going on, if you girls are keeping in touch with all of the news and things like that, um, the turn that the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office made was um, <clears throat> a lot of atrocities going on. A lot of you have people dying inside the facility. You have staff members getting assaulted over and over and over inside the facility. A lot of things that did not go on are now going on, and it's a direct reflection of the leadership that is there. So Hicks here is referring to the current sheriff, Gary McFadden, who ran unopposed in 2018. So since his election, McFadden has faced pressures from the state to fix several issues in Mecklenburg County detention centers, such as overcrowding, violent attacks on correction officers, and McFadden attributes, like most of these issues, to being understaffed. But uh, I don't know about that. We'll we'll see what the what the people say. <laughs> Tonight, the spotlight continues to shine on the Mecklenburg County Jail and Sheriff Gary McFadden. The sheriff publicly going before county commissioners for the first time since the state ordered him to get his jail under control. That came after a WCNC Charlotte investigation brought to light an increase in violent attacks against guards and staffing shortages that resulted in a lack of inmate supervision. If you look across America, every detention center across America is short. So that we have to understand that we are in difficult time. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Anybody that gets incarcerated is a human being and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. It does not matter who they are, their color, their preference and things other like they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. But um, jail being the pretentious environment that it is in and of itself, if you do not have um preventative measures, deterrent factors, structuring things like that in place, you get the chaos that you got right now. And so the leadership is a direct reflection of the environment at the time. Um, and if you've been watching, you can see that there's a lot going on in Mecklenburg County with the Mecklenburg County Sheriff that's just not right. And the lay person on the outside that does not know how it's supposed to function, can only hear what's being said so you're being sold a story i being on the inside know the opposite end and so i chose to run because in trying to get the voices heard in trying to get the fixes needed in order so that people can be safe both inside of the facility which in turn has a, a direct effect on the community at large i couldn't do it from the outside I will tell you, I have been through every one of the local government levels trying to get my voice heard, the voice of the, the staff members that are in there heard, the voices of the inmates that have just left heard, and it all went on deaf ears. It all went on deaf ears as if the people didn't matter. And so the only way that I could get in to fix it so people are safe, so that people understand this, the severity of what's going on is to put my name on the ballot. You mm -hmm. hear me now, you hear me loud and clear. I have to fix it from the inside because from the outside it's not working. 
and people are dying. So it was, I just chose to put my name in the hat so I could fix some things. Yeah. Wow. Such a beautiful story. And, and I feel like it's such a, um, you know, actionable reason to run in terms of, you know, you saw a problem and you realized, Hey, I have to run to solve this problem. So that's the only way. Yeah. It reminds me of that movie. Have you ever heard the spook who sat by the door? He no. had to, he, it was about him like pretending to be an FBI agent during the, um, like the civil rights era. And like COINTELPRO. Yeah, COINTELPRO. And he realized like, okay, I need to get in the game and then change it from the inside. Um, and this is such a good uh, reminder of like, sometimes it's, it's better to work from the inside than the outside. So it sounds like um, there's a lot of changes that need to be made in Mecklenburg County um, as far as corrections office and just the office of the sheriff in general. And so we've talked a little bit about the changes that you are looking to make. And if elected, how do you plan on making those changes? How do you plan on doing the work to make those changes become a reality? Well, first and foremost, you can't do anything without staff to do it. It would be like you all trying to run this podcast without you. You need staffing, so the, my first priority is staffing. Sheriff McFadden has blamed staff shortages on everything from COVID to the Great Resignation, but Hicks believes that it's deeper than that. So whatever is happening in America is happening inside a detention center. We, we are no different. There's a, what We say, what is the spike on January 6th? What is the spike of uh, police violence? What is spike in the community? Nobody has an answer for that. There's a spike everywhere. But you have to understand that whatever happens in the community, the violence in the community, as we see, those people allegedly who caused those crimes come here and we have those people inside our detention center. That's a secure facility, though. Well, still, there are people who are charged with violent crimes come inside. We, we're not Walmart. People charged with violent crimes in our community are housed inside our facility here. A lot of staff have left for fear, for not only fear of their lives, but um, for their emotional well-being. OK, leadership is everything. If you do not value your staff, if they do not feel like you care about them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go other places where they're valued, where they're cared about. My leader doesn't care about me and, and, and is coercive. And every day I'm being threatened with termination and things of the like. I'm going to slowly transition out to someplace else. Okay. So I have a lot of staff members that are, are just waiting for me to get back in so they can come back in. So the priority would be staffing first. I have a lot of um, community engagement initiatives that I want to start, but I cannot do any of them until I take care of the priority, which is home, home. I have to staff my facilities. I have to get uh, officers back into the community where they can keep the community safe. I have to get officers back at the court where they can staff the courthouse and things of the like. If you've been watching their security guards, pay, and, and that, I, that doesn't take anything away from them. They're not trained to function in the court setting. They, don't, they do not have the knowledge or training or experience to function in that setting and following the laws and policies and procedures that a law enforcement officer would have. So I have to start with the priority of staffing within the organization so we can keep the community safe and then I can extend it to the community initiatives that I want to put in place. And there are 
a few that I don't see in Mecklenburg County. So you heard it first. You heard it here. An exclusive. Right, exclusive. You heard it here first. One of the things that I want to put in place is currently we don't have a elderly wellness check program. A lot of people are here from out of state. Okay. A lot of people have family members that are here from out of state that are elderly that have nobody to check on them. And so guess what? Um, If something happens to them, how will they know? So I want to put a, a, a elderly wellness check program in place to where people, if they're out of state, if they're um, here and they're at work and they're concerned about their elderly uh, parents, grandparents, you know, friends or the like, they can call and say, hey, I need a wellness check done on this individual and we'll go out and check on them and sure and, and let the family know that they're okay. And if they're not okay, guess what? Now you have a plan of action in place and somebody that can make sure they're okay. Elderly groups are, are number one victims for scammers. Okay. And so you got a lot of people out here that victimize the elderly, victimize the elderly. And if they're not in a place where they can say and say anything, and if they don't have a mechanism put in place where they can, that they trust that they can come to and say, Hey, I think I've been scammed or whatever the like, um, they're kind of just victims out there. So that's one of the things that I want to do. I have a couple of other things that I want to do, but I got to get in that office first. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to work hard, yeah. our hardest on getting you in there. <laughs> Thank you. And so you you talk about um, a lot of the problems going on inside the jail system. And I wanted to know, you know, as a sheriff, you you work primarily with inmates and correctional officers. And I wanted to know how do you think the increase in homicides and the growing distrust in the police department impacts your work? Murder and homicide. Those individuals, one, will be coming to the facility where we are. Okay. Um, their judicial process starts at the facility level. Um, all of the issues that come with them and their case come to the facility. So they, that has a direct impact on not only the way the facility operates, but our interaction with those individuals, with those individuals. I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. There's some bad boys out there in that world and they come in the facility and we have to deal with those bad boys. Um, this is why we need structure inside the facility because if you're violent it doesn't change because you came to jail the mechanism just changes and it's kind of like the the weakest person becomes a victim inside the facility to individuals that have been there for quite some time and know how to um criminalize even in the criminal setting even in a criminal justice setting so we have to put preventative measures and deterrent factors in place to keep from um, those individuals becoming not only victims but perpetrators of crime inside the facility so there's a direct impact on murder outside the facility to the criminal justice environment and the jails as a whole it doesn't stop because they got caught and they come to jail let's just say that and i know you mentioned that you have some initiatives you want to put in place as far as kind of building a bridge between the office of the sheriff and the community in Mecklenburg County. Do you think that um, with everything that's been going on over the past few years with, um, I know police and sheriff are different entities, but do you think that everything that's been going on with the community and the police, do you think that that affects the way that the sheriff or even sheriff's deputies are able to do their job, both within the prisons, but also just within the community, within the courthouses. Have you seen that? Yes. And and the reason being is because um, I like to say uniform. Okay. Anytime the, the community sees a uniform, they identify it as what? 
police. Mm -hmm. And although the sheriff's office and the police department are different functions, that uniform represents one organization, the police to the community. So the trust is broken. It does not matter which organization you come from. It does not matter that which uniform you wear, you represent the police. And the trust between the community and police is broken, inherently broken. Um, it is up to any policing organization to try to rebuild that trust. The question is, how do you do it with a community that has seen so much going on that it does not matter what you say, what you do, we do not trust you because you're killing our people, even though it wasn't your organization that did it. It's kind of like um, the game Jenga. You move a piece, okay, it may crumble, and you put it back together again and you try to remove a piece without it crumbling. That's where we're at in police. And we're, we're, we're kind of trying to rebuild um, trust with the community based off of a few incidents. And we're, 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 we're crumbling sometimes and then we're back at it again. Um, there's a lot of community engagement initiatives in place now at the sheriff's office. They shouldn't be the priority right now because of all of the things that are going on in the sheriff's office, but there are a lot of community engagement initiatives going on at the sheriff's office right now where they're trying to rebuild the trust of the community. When I tell you it is hard, all people have to do is see the uniform and guess what they do? Yeah, you know, you, you, you get all the F-12 and all of those different things of the like, but, you know, you have to understand that police are people too, mm -hmm. and, and a good portion of them are inner city, inner city children that grew up right in the hood. I, I use myself. I, I, I didn't grow up in, in Ballantyne anywhere. I didn't grow up in, in, I didn't grow up in North Carolina, but I come from the hood. I went into um, corrections and policings as a means of taking care of me and my child. You know what I mean? It just happened to be the first um, organization that called me and I needed a job with benefits and things of the like. So it's not as if I, I said, hey, I want to grow up to be a, a correction officer, a police officer is what I had to do. So a lot of your officers are inner city um, children that took those jobs as a means of taking care of themselves and just have, and want to do right by the people in the community and just happen to be um, involved because of the job that they do. And is it unfair? Yes, but it's a choice that we made and we continue to serve, okay, because the community is worth it. The community is worth it. There are a lot of community initiatives where officers love being out there mentoring the youth in the neighborhood because they feel like if we don't do something, who's going to teach our children the right, you know what I mean? The right thing to do. If we're not out in the community, they're not going to trust us. So we continue to serve. We continue to serve because we're those children. Mm -hmm. We're those children. And we want to divert those children from our organizations and put them on the right path so that they do, do not come into our facilities. Recently in Charlotte with the city um, strategic plan, I know the county and the city, they kind of do a lot of um you know, interacting uh, in terms of policy development. And it seems that using data to inform policy is a big part of the new um, trajectory of Charlotte. And I wanted to know if, how much does data inform your work and what is the capacity for data collection within Mecklenburg County Department of Correction? Data, data can tell you, uh, can give you a 
picture, a current picture of where you're at, of where you're at in terms of a lot of things, okay? In terms of staffing, in terms of incidents, in terms of um, maybe um, the amount of services that is needed, okay? So data can give you a lot. Um, I don't think that it's, if it's current for the day, that it's going to be a current for tomorrow snapshot of your situation. So if you're using data, it has to be consistently and it has to be reflective of not only the objective that you're trying to reach, but it has to be transparent in um, what you're trying to put out. Okay, so so data, although it's good, it, it has its flaws. It, it, it has its flaws. In terms of what we do, data calculated will tell you, the layperson, the number of, the, the number of people in, in the facility at any given time, the number of people leaving on a given day, the number of people um, coming in when those people leave. But tomorrow that story will change. Tomorrow that story will change. So if you're using data, it needs to be objective and it needs to be consistent and it needs to be transparent to the people that need it. The problem comes in um, where we're collecting data today and it's a snapshot of today. And if you, the layperson, need information um, tomorrow on data, it's not reflective of what we have going on today. So you didn't get a true picture. You didn't get a true picture. So I, although I believe data is, is, is wonderful in terms of um, calculating the current situation, I believe it can be flawed and, the, and it needs to be calculated on a daily, daily and most trans in the most transparent of ways. Now I do hear that there are, you know, the police system has a dashboard that they try to update like weekly or monthly and put out a report. Is there something similar um, at the office of um, correction or sheriff's office just to try to get that recent picture? Sometimes it's not um, every day, but it's like a collective for the week total of who goes in, who, you know, or who, how many arrests or how many violence offenses. And although it isn't a, like a daily snapshot, it gives you an overview of what's going on. Do, is there some type of process? Um, there's a process that you can go through to get that data. Um, when I was in office, it was just as simple as, as a public information request. Okay. Or um, the internet being what it is, you can go on at any given day to see a 24 hour period of mugshots of people that are coming in the, in the institution throughout the night. It'll give you their charges and everything else. Okay. Um, so if you wanted internal data, there's a process for that, but then there's uh, public data that's right at your fingertips. Okay. And is there any use of that once you're in the, for the inmates inside that say, Hey, you know, we have uh, 50% of the inmates that have violent offenses, maybe we should try this type of, implement this type of programming or this yep. type of rehabilitation opportunity given the population that we have. Yeah, we, we use offenses and classifications is what we call it to determine the programs needed. Um, we use um, data on the number of individuals that are in custody to determine how we're going to implement programs and who we're going to implement those programs to. A prime example is when the new sheriff came in, he said he was going to put in a cops to barbers program in the facility. Um, if data was using, you would have determined that this is a pretrial facility and the cops and barbers program is a two-year program. So that program would probably not be effective to this population. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. So, so it is used to determine how you're going to service um, the, the population, it depends on who it's in the hands of and if it's going to be reflective of the population and if we're going to do the research on it and things of the like. Um, so yes, it is used for that purpose. In addition to McFadden, Hicks is also up against first-time candidate Marquise Robinson, who, if elected, he plans to create a new division in Mecklenburg County specifically focused on combating sex trafficking. So we wanted to ask Hicks what makes her uniquely qualified to be Mecklenburg County's next sheriff and what are some solutions that she wants to bring in if she's elected? If I can be as honest as I can, (laughs) Sheriff McFadden has been there three, almost four years. He still doesn't know the organization. He still does not know the organization and and it's a direct reflection on the way the operation is running. I've run that organization Okay. When I was removed, I sat at the assistant facility commander's level. I was responsible for implementing all of the policies to keep people safe. I was responsible for the training of the staff members to keep them safe. I was responsible for um, your, your, your visitation rules and regulations and the staff and analysis to determine how many staff members would be needed to keep the facility safe and evacuated if needed. I was responsible for the purchase and procure of all the uh, of all the equipment needed to safely operate the institution um and sheriff mcfadden has not in the almost four years that he's been there proven that he can safely and effectively efficiently and with fiscal responsibility run that organization and i'm going to caution on this too because sometimes you read things and in it in it's um, worded in a way that be, can be misconstrued, okay? The layperson thinks there's overcrowded in that facility, and so this is why we have to get the inmates out. It's a 1,904-bed facility. The current population is 11 to 1,200. I hadn't checked today, which means you have an excess of seven to 800 beds if you needed to house people. How can you define that as overcrowded? It's not overcrowded, it's understaffed. And under, what understaffed means is you don't have staff enough to safely operate the facility, to safely evacuate the facility if needed, to safely respond to emergencies, medical, um, physical emergencies and things of the like. So it's not overcrowded, it's understaffed. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is it understaffed? Sheriff McFadden says it's understaffed because of what? COVID, COVID. okay. COVID is in Gaston County. COVID is in Cabarrus County. Their staff members are not leaving. Mecklenburg County staff members are going to Cabarrus County and um, Gaston County. Why? Because one, they're afraid in the institution because it's not safe, because you don't have the preventative measures and deterrent factors that were once used to keep us to keep them and the inmates safe. Two, because they're being undervalued, mistreated every day. They're called stupid and ignorant. And, and we're making comments, um, not only racist comments, but comments um, in terms of I can fire people any day. And if you're not following my mission, I, nobody wants to be in a coercive environment full of tyranny coming to work every day. It does not matter how much money they're making. People are taking twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 pay cuts to go over to the counties because they feel unsafe. They 
feel undervalued. They're being um, mistreated. And so they're leaving. And so they're leaving. My leadership skill, as opposed to McFadden's leadership skill, is this. Um, one, I recognize and realize that without my staff, I can do nothing. I can stand in the middle of Mecklenburg County and scream at the top of my lungs, I am the sheriff of Mecklenburg County, but I can't be in every place at every time to solve every problem. I need people to do that. I need to value those people because it's a hard job that, that we do. It's a very hard job that we do, and not everybody can do it. Not everybody can do it and still um, maintain a family and still, you know, take care of their personal issues and finances and things of the like. So my leadership skills, as opposed to um, Sheriff McFadden, is motivational. I don't want people to have to work for me. I want them to want to work for me. And I realize I can't give them everything that they want, but I can value them in the services that they do and work tirelessly so to get them all the equipment that they need and thank them every day for the hard job that they do and listen when they have concerns so we just we just differ in um leadership styles um it seems like you operate from the house that it needs to be a mutually beneficial relationship yes great because you know when you value people they are they're going to do more and they're going to even do probably more in their job description because they feel a part of a culture, a part of a community. Right. Um, and I have done it. I have done it. I, you know, sometimes I get emotional. I'm getting better at it, y'all. I'm a cry baby. I'm getting better at it. But I used to get, I used to get emotional because, you know, um, your employees are the same thing. How, how could you, how could you just feel like because you're the boss, you could just mistreat them? These are adults. These are adults. And if I could keep it all the way real with you, if it was me, I would tell you a few choice words and then get gone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to, nobody should have to feel like they're um, the bottom of your shoe because you're the boss. I just think that's wrong. And that's just not my leadership style. I think yeah. that's really refreshing to hear too, because there's this cultural shift going on in society right now where a lot of people are like, well, nobody wants to work anymore. But it's like, it's not that people don't want to work. It's that people want to be valued and they don't want to be mistreated. And people are really taking account of their mental health. Especially when you describe the Mecklenburg County detention centers as unsafe. Um, I wonder if you've noticed an impact on mental health of you know, your fellow officers, deputies, or even inmates. Or and how, yeah, and yourself, and how are those being handled within the system? Me, me emotionally, um, I try to, um, I try to detach from, because I'm an emotional person anyway, mm -hmm. and I'm a mother, okay, and I feel like you're messing with my baby, so guess what? Mama Bear wants to come out, so I have to kind of detach from the emotional part to keep, in order to be objective driven. OK, but people reach out to me every single day. Um, I, I talked to someone yesterday and they said a lot of the officers are saying they have PTSD. And the, the direct impact of that is um, there is now a what what's known as a fitness for duty qualification that has to be met. And so when when you say that I'm not fit emotionally to manage my duties, now we have to question whether you can perform your duties and whether we can keep you. OK, so mental health has a direct impact on not only the the um, work that you do, but how you do it and the determining factor 
as to whether or not you can do it. So that will impact you financially. You know what I'm saying? And the thing, the, the difference is this. Um, when you're when you're employees, it does not matter what field that they're in. It does not matter what field that they're in. Another thing that he says is people are leaving because of the great uh, resignation. Um, here's the thing. Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office is the third highest paying law enforcement agency in the region. If you started the, the third highest paying law enforcement agency in the entire region. OK, so if you started there today, you would start at fifty two thousand um, dollars. You would work 15 days. You would work 15. You would work 15. OK, <laughs> you would work 15 days a month and have two three day weekends off. You would be given um, medical dental vision, flex spending, 401k, 457k, um, health health savings accounts, flex spending account, the, the incentives for being there are ex exponential, mm -hmm. exponential. And we're trying to build incentives every day. Longevity pay. The when I, I will use myself in, as an example. When I got let go in 2018, my salary was probably at $106,000, okay? And, and I had all of those benefits to go along with it. And if I would have stayed 20 years, I would have um, retired with guaranteed medical insurance my, for the rest of my life for the rest of my life. So the incentives are many, okay? But the consequences of what you have to deal with right now is not enough for you to take it. Yeah. So people are leaving and they're going back to $40,000 without all of those benefits because it's not safe physically and they're not at peace. They're not at peace emotionally. Um, peace is everything. Peace is everything and people want to be well no matter where they are. So if your employees are not well, it's your duty. It's your duty as the boss, the leader, whoever you are, to make sure your employees are valued enough to where they do not want to leave you. There was a time under, under um, former leadership where we were made to. I mean, it was it was imperative that you would make sure your employees understood that they were they were valued. That's the way we were trained. Train them up or train or you were trained out. There is no way, shape or form that you would be an employee of mine and you would not be trained extensively to perform not only your duties, but my duties in my absence in my absence, okay? So, you know, to value people, to, to maintain their, their peace and their mental health is imperative to anything that you do, but it's also very, very important to um, their job, their benefits, their emotional health, the way they interact with their family. So you cannot, cannot, cannot say that it's not important. And anybody that does is not a leader. You gotta take care of your people. Yeah. And I wonder, is there, do you, have you heard of the, the impact on the, the inmates in terms well, of, well, if you look, if you go back, look back at news articles, um, I've been around a while and those inmates that have been back and forth, that come back and forth a while, they know Miss Hicks, they know Miss Hicks and they know Miss Hicks is the type that, yes, I'm going to hold you accountable, um, but I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. And I'm going to make sure that I give you some skills so that you go out better than you then you came in and I'm not expecting you to come back. So if you do come back, I have a problem with you. I have a problem with you because one, you didn't keep the skills that you needed. And two, um, guess I just don't want to see you in jail again. I want to see you at Walmart someplace. Mm -hmm. So, so even with them, um, the social issues, 
that they come with, um, the, the, the substance use issues that they come with, the behavioral health issues that they come with, they're a direct reflection on their mental health and the way they interact with you inside the facility and you out in the community and you out in the community. So e mental health, even for them is, 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 is important and imperative that you not recognize um, that it's important, but that you give them the skills that they need so that they can cope with all of those um, mental health and social issues so that they're better going out than they were coming in and that hopefully they won't come back in. Mm. Yes. Well, I told you when we spoke on the phone that you already have my vote. Yes. Thank you but so much. <laughs> you have my vote too. <laughs> Thank you but so much. Thank you. You're welcome. For all of our listeners who are tuning into this episode, uh, Gina Hicks is the first African-American woman to run for sheriff of Mecklenburg County, which, if elected, would make you the first African-American woman to be sheriff of Mecklenburg County, which Woo! is... Claiming the victory. Okay, I want to scream it from the rooftop. So uh, the primaries are on May 17th. Yes, ma'am. So what can the people of Mecklenburg County, if they've listened to this and they, they support you, they want to get behind you 100%, what can the people of Mecklenburg County do to support your campaign to make sure that we can get you in that office? Well, first thing, uh, first, be educated, be, be, be educated on the voting process, be educated on um, your affiliation, because um, the percentage of people, a uh, large percentage of people in Mecklenburg County are Democrat, but then you have a large percentage of people that are also unaffiliated. For an unaffiliated voter, that means that they can change, they can pick which way they want to vote for the primaries, okay? A lot of people do not want to change their affiliation because of the general election okay everybody wants to vote in the president's election but the primaries affect you on the local level directly impact you so people need to know that educate themselves on the primaries educate themselves on how they can vote and know and knowing um, where they can go and vote educate themselves on the candidate i would love to be supported by everybody in mecklenburg county but i would not love somebody to just pick me because i would be the first african-american female if i'm going to be really lump lump when i get in office if i can't provide you the services that you're needed if i'm not qualified enough to run um in the race so the first thing that you can do for me is to be educated and informed okay y'all listen and to episode uh one season one we we got all the the voting knowledge you <laughs> <Yes>. need <laughs> be educated and informed know that you can go out to early voting tell 10 people about me so that they can tell 10 more people about me and let's vote educated for the best um, most experienced person that's going to not only care about you, don't tell you this in front of your face because it's going to show on the back end anyway. Okay. Do your homework, vote for the person that's going to work for you. Um, vote for Gina Hicks because I am going to work for you tirelessly and effortlessly, but I'm also experienced enough to know how to work for you because I've done it for many, many, many years. I want to see Mecklenburg County thriving. I want to see its citizens safe. I want to see um, our youth um, put in positions to where they are running the government for us. And y'all, when I tell you y'all are doing it, when I tell you I love it, I eat it up wholeheartedly because I'm learning from you all. 
Okay, I'm, I learn from you all. And anybody that says they can't learn from y'all, you're sadly mistaken. You need to step out of the race. You don't know everything. These children are coming up and they're doing things and that we didn't, I would not have ever at y'all's age have thought that I could do a podcast, run for sheriff or anything else. I'm 50, almost 53 years old and I'm learning how to speak my voice. I'm learning how to speak my truth. I'm learning how to speak my voice and to defend um, what's right, but I'm learning through y'all. Mm. I am learning through y'all that say, no, 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 we're not going to do this. Here's what's going to happen. Um, we deserve to be treated this way. And this is what's going to happen. So be educated, be educated, be educated, be educated, go out and vote for the person that's going to value you. And for the person that has the experience to do the job, mm -hmm. it does not matter who it is, but I would love your support. Because guess what? I'm going to make it happen anyway. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, y'all heard it here first. If you like what, what you heard, please support Gina Hicks on May 17th. And that requires you to get registered. Mm -hmm. And if you like what you heard, you heard her. Tell 10 more people to okay. go vote for Gina Hicks. <laughs> and people are out here telling people to go vote for you because we would have never found out about you if somebody didn't walk up yes. to Kristen. Shout out to Missy. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Missy. She's, a, she's an advocate and she loves the people. She loves the people. I love Missy. Love, 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 love Missy. Um, <laughs> love the work that she does in the community. Um, but, you know, we got to make sure we got the right people in office to get the work done. And it's just, just not telling you that. You can have every award, TV show and everything else going on for yourself. But the work that you're doing should be reflective of the people and not you mm -hmm. and not you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for talking to us. We are rooting for you. Thank y'all yes. for having me. Thank y'all for having me and keep doing what you're doing because y'all have y'all have touched my soul. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Well, congratulations. You. All right, Charlotte, you heard it here. Gina Hicks is running for sheriff of Mecklenburg County. And if you like what you just listened to, then let's all put in the work to get her into office. The primaries are on May 17th, so we really don't have any time to waste. And if you need any information on voting, visit mecnc.gov. Yes, and no matter where you are, midterm elections are happening this year everywhere. So you can get involved and just get informed of what's going on in your area so that if you would like, you can get active in your community. Um, so others can be informed and empowered to vote as well. And I know whenweallvote.org, um, Michelle Obama's organization or who she's partnering with they're very deep on the ground and have events happening everywhere that you can get a, a part of in terms of you know doing call banks doing door-to-door -door registration or even registration drives in your own community if you just wanted to like host one um so there are organizations out there uh, for you to get involved during this season um so yeah most importantly get out and vote for the people that are going to make changes in your community uh this has been beyond the talk next time village peace peace